0: Welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davidson, and I'm my good buddy Elkin Beltry. Now, Elkin, yes, sir. We have a new NBA champion, and I just got to say, I had a had a great time. I had a great time watching Game Six. How about you?
1: I mean, I I will admit, it, ladies and gentlemen, I was tired from work, tired from a workout class I went to. And at 8.30, my body said, hey, go to sleep. And I was like, all right, only for me to wake up. So I went to sleep 8.30 Eastern time, 30 minutes before, around 30, 45 minutes before the game started, only to wake up at 12.30 midnight. And then next thing I know it, I found myself checking scores. And then your boy at like 1 o'clock in the morning was like, hey, I'm going to watch a condensed version of the game and just speed through. And that's what I did. And I was able to catch it. But So that's how, that was my viewing experience. But at the end of the day, Bucks and six. I enjoyed the game better than I thought it was going to be. And Richard, I'm, I'm going to say it right now. we got to give Richard a pat on the back. Richard called it. Ladies and gentlemen, you can go back and yeah. listen to previous podcasts. There's evidence Richard did, did call this Milwaukee Buck victory.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think it had seven. I, I figured yeah. that, you know, uh, Bud would have slipped up and at some point, right? And he just, I mean, they, yeah. you know? They, they, they pulled together in a game a game sooner than I thought but yeah I my pick of Milwaukee at the beginning of the um, uh, playoffs was basically I I thought that they had the right matchups to match up against you know against anybody I, I looked at and said well you know Brooklyn obviously is a, a powerhouse but man if they were to face like a Joel Embiid they would they would really have no answer right and Uh, You know, you look. You look at um, the Sixers, and they didn't have an answer for Atlanta. And obviously, all the injuries and things you can't really, um, you know, predict. And I had the Lakers making it. They they got bounced by your team in Phoenix, right? You you picked Phoenix over the Lakers, and so it's. But I, I thought that you know, no matter what, they could adapt to fit their environment. Sometimes those adaptations. Which seemed like they they could make those changes beforehand. Like it took them a little bit longer, but but they were able to make those and and you know even without someone who I thought was would have been essential in in uh Dante Divincenzo. So, uh, shout shout yeah. out to the Bucks. And it you know what? Yeah,
1: definitely shout out to the Bucks.
0: Go ahead. Shout out to you for in the condensed version. You know you don't have to spend uh you know uh a minute two minutes watching Giannis. Shoot free throws at I'll I'll say a an eighty nine percent clip right <laughs> seventeen of nineteen and
1: yep that's that's
0: it a- and you you don't have to watch uh the commercials for that M Night Shyamalan movie that's looking awful
1: apparently old ladies and <sighs> gentlemen is coming out M Night we're gonna advertise for it M Night. We'll call it a great movie. You decide to throw some advertisement bucks our way. We'll call it the movie of the year. No, listen. If you want to listen. We're going to
0: slander that movie because there's, there's no way I'm watching it. Okay. Um, you know what? I'll watch. I'll watch it. You watch I'll it. Watch you it. tell me how it was. I, I, I'll just stay knowing how it was. Not good.
1: Just like I just I just started Space Jam: A New Legacy tonight. You you, you started you started it.
0: You, you couldn't actually even get through it. You have to like put, oh, put put on pause. Is that how bad it well, was? I actually had
1: to. No, I had to go shower. Okay. And come here, but I'll say this. I'll say this for all the Space Jam slander. I'm gonna say this. It's a freaking kids movie, ladies and gentlemen. And no, it's, the it's, other Space it's Jam, for the me, original, thirty
0: years old, thirty year old. That's who it's yeah.
1: Here. And then like, and then I watched original Space Jam too, and I was like, wait a minute, both of these movies are cringy and corny. Oh, yeah, it's not But I'm, <laughs>
0: it's,
1: <laughs> but it's I'm not like, great. it's whatever. But here we are, the richer, and the aftermath of I what I would consider a solid NBA Finals. I thoroughly enjoyed this series, even though it didn't go the distance. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoy that my cat right now is bouncing a little ping pong ball behind me and hitting stuff. It's fine. And there's not much you can do. But I enjoyed the series overall. I had some worries at the beginning of it when it was 2-0 Phoenix. But overall, I thought it was a good series. And I don't know where you want to start with ticks. I got stuff I want to say about coaches, players on both sides. I'm ready. So I'm ready, Freddy. I
0: mean, you have to start with Giannis. Uh, I mean, you,
1: definitely, you, you, definitely. You,
0: you look at him in in probably one of the greatest closeout games of all time. Um, you, you see what he did. Uh, you know, in in big moments. You know, having two other games where he's scoring uh, 41, 42 points, and uh, having you know the 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 dunk right, the, the alley oop from Drew Holiday and. And and the the game previous, and you look at the block he had on Eaton before, and and just the dominance that he had, uh, in basically after he was able to kind of gain his footing, after game one, right, going back weeks from having mm-hmm. his you know leg bent into a right angle, like bent the wrong way, like he is, it, it, it's really just a testament to how how great he was here, and. Uh, you know, I, I'm yeah, I'm just. I, I'm generally, uh, with, with with when it comes to this level and 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 players at this level, like I, I don't want to get too, like, like uh, people love to slander people, love to, love to slander people who who would come in second for this reason or that reason. Like they're prepared, no matter which way it goes, and like I just I just really want to you know celebrate how well uh, Giannis played.
1: Yeah, and that's something we should definitely celebrate. And I think of it as. It was great for me to see the evolution that he took that took place for him during his playoffs, because we kind of saw first round against Miami. Let's be honest, some people were worried, but not in a Bucks knew what they were doing. I think most people can sense that. Second round, some people were thinking like, "Oh, same Giannis." Game five stuff happened. Now we're getting the same Giannis, and we've seen kind of this, you know, 2000, 2019, this was going to happen. But I get props to Giannis for almost just saying. My confidence is gonna be shot. And that pretty much is he kind of figured out I can do what I need to do against the Nets and we're gonna win this thing. And even in the Hawks series, then you can kinda of, you can kind of sense it before the injury that he was figuring a lot of things out that he hadn't figured out before in previous playoffs and even in regular season games. And he was figuring out more where he needs to be around the floor. And even after he went out, which I believe was a blessing in disguise for the team because it helped the role guys, the other guys. Like, get more like, hey, we can do this. We're going to close this out without Giannis. And then you kind of saw the culmination in the NBA Finals where he realized, no one can really stop me on the Phoenix Suns. I mean, you had DeAndre Ayton, and he kind of put up something. He knew he was going to bump Giannis, make it difficult sometimes. But I know Giannis also knew the back of his mind, he's like, if DeAndre Ayton's out, there's no one else on this team. I mean, there's Frank the Tank we can't stop Frank the tank. And I think, but I'll tell you this though. One of the biggest things like Giannis didn't have humongous assist numbers. I mean, he averaged five assists per game, but you really saw the full display and I really enjoyed his passing. Most of the passes I'm telling it was, it was the passes that we always give props to like a James Harden or LeBron right where the shooter needs it. And that's what he needed to do. I think Giannis figured out like, this is where my game's going to be. And he played a series where he didn't take a lot off the table and put so much on the table and brought so much for his team that you could just see the team building confidence behind him. And that game too, even though they lost and he scored 40 points, I, that almost felt like a turning point where they're like, okay, Giannis is like, I'm going to, I'm going to go out and go like this. And I think the guy's really right around him and I give props to him, especially all some of the crap that he caught for returning or signing that extension with the Bucks, that new that new deal with the Bucks. People were clowning him. They're like, oh, you need to go to this team. You're never gonna win in Milwaukee. And I get props for sticking it out. And congratulations. It,
0: it, it should be noted, like Milwaukee's off season f- full of warts. Uh, like the the, mm, the messed yeah. up uh, Bogdanovich uh, trade. Because let's be honest. It, I mean. If, if you look at the way that they went about the offseason and, and the way that they had to restructure contracts and, uh, like, Pat Connaughton's, for example, and and add more long-term money and trying to get Brent Forbes and D.J. Augustine there, like, they were not prepared. They didn't handle that well because they... with, with So, again, we, we, I think we talked about this. We slandered them, rightfully so. They didn't recognize how the hard cap uh, would, uh, w- would impact them. And... It ended up well it, through, through through you know they, they they didn't they didn't recognize and so because of that it you know led to issues and but throughout the off season I mean, well first of all they got Drew Holiday right that was the big that was the big thing you gave up all of your um, assets to do that and the one with that Giannis resigned and we now see his play in the finals and playoffs and it wasn't always a, a perfect you know. Offense and defensive games, right? You saw those overlap and merge, um, uh, and and you know that was that was a great game five uh, when, when that happened. But his impact on the defensive end, like you can look and say, hey, what happened to uh, you know Chris Paul, right? Well, you know I, I think that he's got some some left hand. You could see his left wrist ligament stuff where you see it's not all you know his handle's not as tight as you know it was before. But a, a lot of that is yeah, you got Drew Holiday. Dealing ninety four feet with you, right? And yeah, in in, in this in this game uh, six, it ended up being the matchup not being as much Drew Holiday on Chris Paul, but Drew Holiday on Devin Booker. And take a look, Devin Booker, eight of twenty two. Yeah, he he suffered right. right, and yeah, and so with you saw his impact, and, and it was worth it for the for the for the, uh, Bucks to go out and and by and it makes me you know think about some of the roster construction approaches that some teams have taken uh, in the past. Where oh I've got to win every single trade. Guess what? You're, like some trades you're not going to get positive value for. But because you are getting the best player in that trade, sometimes you have to fork over uh, a little bit more and, and deplete all your assets in order to to get to the top, right? And, and that was their true Holiday move. But you look at also some of the the fine. Uh, tuning that they were able to do in the middle of the season in getting P.J. Tucker into that lineup and P.J. Tucker you know one of the seven guys that they trusted in this series right so it's it, it, while you know we can't say that everything they did was good right they went and, and sometimes it doesn't matter because you know Giannis was good enough right and so and and shout out to Chris Middleton for uh, you know Maybe, you know, being, being the closer, right? Not always perfect, right? But he hit basically the the dagger of a shot in, in, in this game as well, right? Dog tired and knocked it down.
1: Yeah, and going back to Drew Holiday, like you said, I think at one point they were comparing his playoff stats to Eric Bloods when They were like, oh, it's almost the same. And I was doing, but offensively it was almost the same. But you could really see it defensively. And I think the first two games, um, Holiday wasn't even on Chris Paul that much. He he wasn't doing that much. And you saw more as they – like towards the end of game two and then going back to Milwaukee, you saw Holiday do almost a four-court press. It felt like a four-court press, but not really. But you saw him kind of just like, all right, I'm going to make you take more time coming up. So then instead of initiating the offense, let's just say, with like 19 seconds on the shot clock, you're going to be like at 12 which staggered a few things. And you could definitely see that. And for me, I think about it, like, Chris Paul's turnovers, and it could have been resolved because of his hand, but his turnovers increased. I mean, he had a stretch where he had, I think it was, like, at least five turnovers in a few consecutive games. And you can tell, like, he was struggling with decision-making. And that game four, if Chris Paul would have stepped up like he needed to in that game four, we could have been talking about Phoenix being up 3-1 with a chance to win the series in game five. But... Milwaukee put it off and like you said, like not all the moves that that the Bucks did were like amazing moves. They had some some rough ones, but that seven man rotation for them, you have a guy like I mean, in the playoffs you always need that role player who's just gonna go off. I mean, and I think them having the combination of Bobby Portis and Connington kind of combining to make those hitting a lot of key shots, and those guys from three point at at one point it felt like they were hitting just almost everything. I mean, Connaughton shot 44% for the series on 34 three-point attempts and Porter shot 43%, almost 44, on 16 attempts. Not that many, but when you get when you get that to happen, that's what you need from those role players and I would say overall I'm also going to give props to Bud too. Bud made the right adjustments that he needed to. Like, that's one thing I, we clowned Bud for so long. We we're like, Bud, what are you doing? I mean, we weren't the only ones. Analysts. We heard Barkley call the Bucks the dumbest team to win the championship, possibly. But, and he called, I mean, he did call us that they were going to win the championship. So I'll give I'll give Chuck that. But Bud really made a lot of changes. And you can kind of see Monty Williams couldn't make the changes. It may have been limited personnel, but... I like the changes Bud did from defensive changes to offensive changes, seeing where Giannis caught the ball more, seeing how they were getting everyone involved. So I'm going to give props to Bud as well. I
0: mean, Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, first of all, Bud rightly deserved to get slandered for that Atlanta Hawks game one. Like that was, that was again, it, it, it's the, Hey, he made the adjustment and changed after the fact, but that was like, that one was a gimme where it should have been obvious from the get go. Uh, and you know they tried a bunch of stuff and basically just tried throwing everything out there in Game One of this series, and that you know didn't quite work out. One of the one of the things that I you can like see, especially just just looking at one matchup like Drew Holiday, right? How are you gonna utilize Drew Holiday and um, uh, Owen Phillips on uh, on Twitter? Owen L H J Phillips, this is his at. Uh, he went and posted something. Um, uh, earlier today where percent of drew holiday's minutes spent guarding phoenix suns players and in game one it was devin booker 47 uh, percent chris paul 28 percent, and then a bunch of other guys you know everyone else but it's a who does he who does he guard who is his matchup and you you know you can see just kind of the you know you can see how how game one looks different then from game two on it ended up being that shift a little bit more well shifted Dramatically more toward Chris Paul in Game Two, toward like 51% Chris Paul, 20% Devin Booker, and, and then it ended up staying with Chris Paul until this very last game. And so you could see the the shift in the change, saying, "Hey, we, we really need to do that." But it's not just who guards who, but also like you mentioned, the we got to make we got to make sure that we are pressing up on Chris Paul and making like he's hurting, right? He's he's laboring out there. This is the longest he's ever played basketball into a year. And and so let's make him work for every every bit of it. And yeah, Devin Booker's gonna go off for forty, but you know, and they're getting offense. But if Devin Booker's hurting you, in 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 you know, you you also saw the again the, the potential assists. That was one thing we referenced in the past uh, podcast of uh, Devin Booker to other other people. Those those dramatically dipped uh, as the series went along. And so the. The way that they went about, you know, doing it, they they fine tuned it to the point where they figured it out by game three, and yeah, I think Monty left some stuff off, some some stuff on the table, right? They 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 kept having uh, Chris Paul bring the ball up and, until you know late, later on, but by that time, guess where Drew Holiday was on Devin Booker? So it ended up, yep. it, you know, you ended up not having. I don't, I don't know. There were there were things that were out there, but, but again, they're limited personnel. Uh, we clowned them earlier on uh, in in the year for not taking um, Tyrese Halliburton. I think he could be helpful. He could, could have been helpful here in this uh, and taking Jalen Smith, but they really didn't get a backup big that that could be useful. I mean, Kaminsky had phenomenal minutes, but I don't think I think that Phoenix was actually shocked about that. Um, Th- th- yeah. in, in, in this game six and the loss of sars was huge so
1: yeah and you could i thought they would have gone for a buyout guy there i mean to just get some type of guy there and you you could see that as a series wars on go ahead i was
0: like the thing like gorja jang right he, he he was a buyout guy went to san antonio right um you think that hey if phoenix would have come you know knocking on his door hey phoenix is a better situation than san antonio is right i mean they they have a young center who's got to eat minutes over there and knock a Guess what? You know, they here as well. Um, and, and the chance and shock to get a ring. You, you look at Dwayne Dedman, right? Who was just waiting and, and maybe for Miami, it was, you know, you go to Miami. Cool. Um, but I, you're right. There are guys in the buyout market and they went and chose to get Torrey Craig, which was a phenomenal move as well. But, you look at you look at the big man depth, and it was like, why do you go out there? And I, I I love the Langston Galloway signing earlier on, right? But guess who guess who didn't get played at all during these playoffs, Langston Galloway, right? So bingo. It, and if if you have to play Langston Galloway, probably means that Chris Paul or Devin Booker's out, and you probably have no shot anyways. And so maybe that's something that yep. you know, we like, hate, hey, just good players on this team, but they needed some depth, didn't have it.
1: Yeah, and you look at it. With everything going on with their death, I mean, I was worried. I, for me, I kind of knew, like, okay, this series is almost over. When I saw Torrey Craig having a guard Giannis or Brooke Lopez, and I'm like, I mean, I, I know the Suns didn't have any choice. They didn't have a choice with, with the way the rotations were. And also, too, looking at it with Booker, I, I would all, we call Booker a very good shooter. I mean, mid-range. His three-point shooting was really horrible this series, 1141, 27%. I think that might have been the lowest percentage that we had, like, on his entire team when it came to three-point shooting. And maybe it was just volume. He needed to throw up a lot of shots. I get it. But I think this is where you saw the, the Milwaukee Bucks were, I think, the worst matchup for the Suns. It seemed like Milwaukee was the worst possible, as far as personnel, how they matched up across the board because the Suns, you can tell the Suns' weakness because of their lack of depth in the front court was going against big teams, and Milwaukee was exactly that. A very large team. I think there was one point they had a lineup of Brooke Lopez, uh, Giannis, and Chris Middleton. I think there was even, like, Bobby Portis. And I forgot who the fifth guy was. It might have been, um, I, 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 been... I was right at one point in time. Oh,
0: when, was, when they when they I went, forgot, when they went what, super size? yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh shoot. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure. I, I think Middleton was off the floor. Um. So yeah, Drew is out there. You probably had PJ Tucker or Condon, one of those two guys, it. and then and, and then the three bigs.
1: Then the three bigs, and you're just like, we're good. and there wasn't anything that could happen. I mean, the Suns were just kind of just like, what are we gonna do? We can't throw much. But you were gonna put up a point though. Um. When I was talking before I brought up the size.
0: Uh, let, let's see. Um. I think that so. Number one, they played Frank Kaminsky in that game three, and he was a minus twelve in his 13, 13 minutes. Like things, didn't, things didn't go so well. But guess what? Who, who was also bad? Cameron Payne, Torrey Craig. You look at just plus minus. Like the like everyone was a minus. Okay, so but the Frank Kaminsky minutes especially didn't look very good. Um, it, just because guess who's not going to look good against someone like Giannis, right? like, a, a big lumbering guy who's a little bit slow of foot, And so it, it takes until, you know, so it's so like, they played him those minutes, they said, we can't do this, right? It's a can't play cancer moment. And and so he, he's done, sidelined until it's like, well, we, we've got nothing else to go to. Let's just throw it out there and hope we can get away with it. And, you know, uh, again, t- talking and speaking a little bit about, um, about their death. I feel like there was something else I was wanting to say, but I, I can't, um, I can't remember it. I'm sorry.
1: No, you're this, fine. This, you're this fine. is
0: our fault for not making a doc. We're just saying, hey, we
1: got this. Yeah, we, we kind of just we, we were kind of just saying like, hey, 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 we got this. No need to worry. No need to worry. But I think, I think with it too, and looking at how the Suns got there, I don't want to discredit how the Suns got there. No people want to point out first round, Anthony Davis. Second round, oh, what do you know, Jamal Murray. Third round, okay, look what's happening, no Kawhi Leonard. So fourth round, you face a team that's fair, that's held. You had their star was going in trying to get healthy beginning, then got healthy, and you guys couldn't do much. I'm not gonna discredit that. Cause for me, I'm always like, This is the NBA. Injuries are gonna happen. People try doing it to the Warriors, people try saying it to several of the championship teams. They're like, you only got there because of injuries, but the Suns beat those teams. This team's had a chance to beat the Suns, and the Suns were just honestly they were better than those teams and deserved to be in the finals. That's it's just like with the Milwaukee Bucks. People like to say, Oh, well, the Bucs would have gotten here if the Nets had their three players. Who knows what would have happened? If the Nets would have had Kyrie, Harden at 100%, who knows what would have happened? We probably still would have had a great series, I believe. I think we still would have had a great series. They could have said, oh, the Bucks against the Hawks. Trey Young got injured. Well, Trey Young was out, Giannis was out, and the Bucks were still able to close out. So I I don't like that narrative, though, where it's like, you only got here because of injuries. I think that's... It's one of those, it feels like I'm at a talking, one of those talking points show that we're just going to throw out the most outrageous thing and hope it stays. Yeah, like,
0: I I mean, I look at it and, you know, people throw out the Lakers one and just because it's Lakers and they say to themselves, oh, well, you know, Anthony Davis went out and, and then that turned out. Well, okay, yeah, but Chris Paul wasn't right the whole series. So, like, it's, you know, there, there's a lot of give and take anywhere. And I think that you could probably make the argument, OK, yeah, I think that. All these teams up at the top, like all the really good Western Conference teams, are probably probably pretty evenly matched. And yeah, they probably shouldn't have gone six games, and they probably would have gone, you know, seven games. the The Denver one's probably not a you know just a, a blowout series like it was. It's probably a, a, a hard fought matchup. And it, but it, like, again, the only team that you could say, hey, if if, every, if everyone's full strength, like okay, yeah, the, the the Brooklyn Nets probably look really nice. I mean, you see how far they were able to take them. But uh, yeah. guess what? You you don't get to just have a two uh, K simulation where you turn off the injuries and, and see what happens. Um, I remember now the thing I was going to say, uh, and Go ahead. it was to to a point that you brought up um, earlier about how the, the Milwaukee's um, you know their bigness and, and just like their their mm-hmm. front court dominance was a bad match for Phoenix. But at the same time, like so my conceptual understanding of this series has been a lot from the Milwaukee Bucks defensive perspective like I feel like I've understood their defensive perspective and have understood it really really well and what they want to do and how they want to play and 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 from that perspective uh, on that end of the floor thinking about how what Phoenix likes to do and what the Bucks like to do I thought that like man like I was a little bit nervous of, of my Milwaukee pick for from the beginning just because it was like uh, these guys love to live in the mid-range and the Bucks drop defense. If, if they, again, I, I was thinking myself, but oh, Bud's going to start out like an Atlanta game one, right. And, and drop it. He went, the, he went totally opposite way. And it was a, it was what it was, but I, I was concerned because of that overlap of the Phoenix Suns like, like live there. But I wasn't thinking as, much about okay how physically dominant can you you know can you be I, I was perhaps anticipating a little bit of more of brooke lopez and this ended up not being his series quite as much because it ended up turning into the hey Giannis at center uh for for some of the big times big moments on the stretch and
1: which is exactly what they should have done yeah um,
0: i mean Giannis is the best role guy in the entire nba and he, yeah, and he and, can do more
1: yeah he can do a lot more than brooke lopez and that you kind of saw where Bud figured it out, like, all right, we're gonna keep doing this light up, and Phoenix pretty much had no response for it. And you kind of saw, I mean, like I was looking back at just the box scores and the final scores of the of all the games, and you kind of see it like progressing, where we know like first two games Phoenix wins by double digits, but then game three, in my mind I was like, all right, Milwaukee's probably gonna win. Normally, the home team when they play the first game, they normally come out super strong and win that game. Historically. And then that game four is normally the one that's super close. And that's the one that we talked about where like Devin Booker, he went off, but Chris Paul didn't do his best. And Phoenix definitely had a chance in game five. I know they went down in game five, but they definitely had a chance. Even in game six. And I just felt like towards the end though, for me, it seemed like Phoenix ran out of gas and Milwaukee was just like, we can keep putting more and more and more. And Milwaukee kept putting, honestly, they kept putting their foot down when they needed to. And that's something that they noticed or like Phoenix doesn't have that same. I don't want to say same energy, but we've worn them down and that's what you're supposed to do with some of that. But like you said, you brought up a good point where there was some beginning of the series. There was, there was a reason to be worried that might be a difficult series for the bucks. Yeah. Like I definitely see where you're coming from with that, especially with the style that Phoenix plays. And I did hear this on another podcast. I forgot which podcast it was but they brought up one good point was like, so game two was the one that Phoenix made like 23 pointers. Right. I think that was game. Yeah. Two.
0: Because they, uh, Milwaukee was over helping. Like they were like, all right, we're going to go back to our, uh-huh. back to our drop and we're going to do it with, uh, drew holiday on Chris Paul. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and, but we're going to provide help from all the other places, which, which kind of went away from the previous thing. And then just three, three, yeah. three. Right.
1: Yeah. And, and then to kind of see it from there, someone brought it up, and I didn't notice this until I started. I started going back over the games. Phoenix wasn't shooting as many corner threes as he had done before, compared to when they started off. And you and those are some adjustments. Like you talked about, what what Milwaukee did wrong in Game Two to allow so many threes, and then you saw that they were just like, all right, and that's what we're supposed to do. We got to change that, which you can tell. Like I think. I haven't looked at these box scores if another time. This is what we get for not making a doc. This has been a good thing to look up is looking at Phoenix Phoenix's uh, three point percentage as a series but a long game per game. That's something that for me I would have definitely looked like the last game, game six, they shot six for twenty five. It was just a bad shooting game for them. And you kind of look at it as okay. I mean, Milwaukee didn't shoot that much better, but that was a great adjustment i I believe that Milwaukee did make to kind of just, all right, we're gonna take away this because Besides DeAndre Ayton, I mean, Phoenix – and even even Ayton was struggling on the inside. Like, he had some solid games. But you kind of felt, though, that he disappeared at key moments for for Phoenix. I, I do remember that. And and I I felt like there were times in which the moment got too big because passes that I saw him handle before, like in early in the series in the regular season, he was dropping a lot of passes or kind of felt like he was short-arming some layups.
0: Yeah, I mean I- – you could, you could say that, but also your task like I'm I'm okay giving Aiton a little bit of a pass on the offensive end because really what That's he needs yeah. like like he was playing out of his mind, but think about why he was playing out of his mind earlier on, right? He's able to deal and take advantage of well, first of all, Anthony Davis goes down, sweet. He's able to shine through. You look at the matchup with Jokic defensively, while well, being phenomenal offensively. Jokic is not quite there defensively. And if, if you're if you're Denver, you're trying to figure out anything that might work and and any you know can can we, can we do this or that and it's gonna lead to you know good things happening. You think about the the switching um, with the smaller team in uh, in the Clippers, but without having Kawhi, yeah. and you're finding mismatches all the way through. And so like he's going to he was going to look very, very good in those series. He hadn't found a matchup that really didn't work. And now he's tasked with primarily, uh, I know that Jay Crowder drew some of this, but it's primarily him being tasked with defending Giannis. Like that's a, that's a tall ask. And then having to do more than just finishing lobs, like that's tough. And, and so I, you know, obviously you'd love to get more from him, you know, everyone pick, all that stuff. But like, I, it's, it's just a, it's a, tough series. I think people, as they were getting in the Aiton love train earlier on, were just getting a, a little too much out in front of it and were <laughs> reacting to the uh, excitement uh, from just yeah. the matchups that he was able to take advantage of.
1: Yeah, and wouldn't want to take away anything from me. It was great to see kind of him make that leap, because that's what you need to do. And for me, it was nice to see that, and I expect him to keep going up. I mean, he's not going to get to a Giannis level,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I think he has good potential to eventually possibly be close to a 20 and 10 guy. Like he's a great rebounder defensively compared to what he was at the beginning of his career to now you can leave him out there. And he's actually not going to be a negative on defense at the beginning of his career. He was lost on defense a lot of times, but now you can kind of see he's figuring out, but you're right when he ran to the bucks. I mean, it's a big task to kind of say like, Hey, we're just going to put you on Giannis and do what you need to do with Giannis. Yeah. stay in front of him, whatever. And you can – I don't know if you sensed it, but in that first game, Giannis didn't have like a like a ridiculous game in that first game. I think he had like was like 17 points. No, I, feel, I feel like that's just bro- like, a,
0: hey, this is my first basketball since my knee. Let me just take yeah. it easy and figure it out. And yeah. See.
1: Yeah. But even though like I think his first quarter, I don't know if you got to – I don't know if you watched it on replay or not, but you can see Giannis just – I think one play that stood out was Giannis doing a drop step into a dunk, and Aiden kind of just bounced off Giannis, and I'm like, wait a minute. If they're going to keep this matchup, Giannis is going to figure out that he can get whatever he needs to get, wherever he needs to get and whatever he wants to get in the series. And that's kind of what you saw with it. And people talk about like, oh, why don't, why doesn't Phoenix just build a brick wall? Like that's what other teams have done. But I think that's one thing that we've seen development of Giannis. I think Giannis really figured out how to, how to play around that and be smarter about that instead of just trying to go through a brick wall every time. Like, that's what I appreciate. A lot of his, I saw several fast breaks where it ended up with him figuring out who to dish it to before he runs into a wall, before he runs into like a couple of defenders. And that's where I saw kind of like maturing where Giannis is like, he, he took that step and he's like, I figured this out guys. Yeah. And Phoenix was in trouble. Yep.
0: Yep. Um, going into the off season now, right. We've,
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: We, yeah, we, we get our champs. Shout out, shout out bucks. Um, Yep. Going into the offseason, this is an interesting one uh, for a, a number of reasons. I, we probably want to spend a little more time with Phoenix in this regard than Milwaukee. With Milwaukee, here's here's the important things uh, to know. they got to figure out what to do with P.J. Tucker. Um, they don't have him on the books. Guess what? Phanastis, he's coming back. All right, You don't have to worry about that. He's going to re-sign, and they're going to sign him probably to a minimum. It is what it is. Um, and Jeff Teague is... You know, on, on a minimum as well, and his expiring. But I think that everyone has seen enough Jeff, Jeff Teague to know that it's okay. We can, yeah, we can, we kind of know. We can go along. And in this point guard class, I think, as far as free agency, there's it's probably one of the deeper of like the options of, of you who know, people who are available out there. So I think they'll find find a replacement. Uh, they're probably gonna have to re-sign Peter Tucker. I don't know what that looks like. He's basically been underpaid his entire career. Um, the good news is that if they're willing to pay the tax which l- just say where they are right now um, Milwaukee is basically yeah they're 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 projected to be over um, over the tax line uh, just just as is doing nothing with PJ Tucker they're projected to be at about 28, um, 28 million over the uh salary cap and, and and so they're gonna be there anyways the question is how much but guess what you just won the championship this is the summer that you, you gotta go out it. and go for it you say we're, we're gonna yeah. retain pj tucker and we're going Run to sign uh, a, a five million dollar point guard or something i don't know what they have in the way of let's see what they have in the way of draft picks they don't really have
1: they gave it away. On the Drew Holiday was it twenty twenty one? Yeah, So
0: theirs is gone. They don't have a second this year. I'm, I think it's this year that they're getting. I, I can't remember. I, I think it might be it might be this year or next year. Their second rounders are getting penalized because of the whole, um, uh, well tamper tamper stuff with uh, Bogdanovich. But uh, I, I don't think they have any picks. So maybe they'll go out and get some like they did some some rookies. Just to pay for the minimum, just to have that, but they don't need to anymore because they're not hard capped this summer, um, and so they're in a good spot, uh, much better than they were last year, if, if if it can be believed. So as long as they want Man. to go into the tax, they can bring back um, PJ Tucker. Yeah, at, at a reasonable dollar. By figure. the way, go ahead.
1: by the way, you were definitely. I'm look, I I pulled up the free agent, just unrestricted free agent class. Definitely a lot more better options than one Jeff Teague that you can bring in and play like ten fifteen minutes as like a third or fourth guard. Yeah, you're right about and, that. And, and,
0: and they know exactly what they need and and what they want to get. So like they're, they'll be fine in that regard. So uh, shout out Bucks, you got you got a good spot as long as ownership is willing to go. You know, not 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 Nets or Warriors into the tax, but you know, just a little reasonable into the tax. You know, and then. You, you figure it out from there. Um, and guess what? You can always dodge the tax at the deadline if it looks like you need to for whatever reason. Now, Phoenix. The big question yeah. is Chris Paul. What do you do with him? Yep. He's got um, a player option for $44 million. Um, That's already your books. Uh, they are not currently in the tax, but they will probably be right around close to it, probably in it as well, depending on how things go. So, because Chris Paul has $44 million on the books, there's been discussion on is he going to opt out and try to extend and go long. Now, that could be helpful for the Phoenix Suns this offseason because if he does that, let's say that he goes for, I don't know, three years... 100 million dollars total let's say that that's roundly going to get you to about 33 million dollars sometimes they escalate that sometimes they you know whatever they however they handle that but but 33 million sorry 33 million dollars if if it's that then then you've saved yourself about 10 million dollars 10 11 million dollars um against the cap for this year that you can put toward hey cameron payne you need, you, need, you need a new deal. They're probably going to bring him back, right? He's one of the, again, seven guys they trusted in this playoff series. They're probably going to bring him back. He showed some growth, and it was great. Um, and you probably, now you already have to pay Dario Saric, but you're probably going to be able to get a hardship exception for him. And so it's just a matter of how much money does ownership and Robert Sarver feel like they want to spend. Um and, which and,
1: and they should spend.
0: They should spend again. Like the tough part is like this might have been the moment where Chris Paul's excellence and you know ascendance is like hitting with just everything else. Like if Chris Paul takes a, a slight decline next year, they're, they're they're not getting back here, right? He's got to be as excellent next year if they're going to be making it back to this level. Um, and and so yeah, it, it's tough. They have their first round pick this year which the 29th pick they can do what they want with it if they want to trade it they can they just have to wait till the draft is over because they have 2022 going out so like they can trade it away if they want to uh but they basically beyond you know after a certain level they just they just don't have tons of they need more they need they need more pieces and so
1: yeah and then quick question for you 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 probably know this more than i do um, DeAndre, and where does, when is he up for
0: an extension? So that's he can extend as of this summer. So he next year he's a um, this off season he's still under contract, but he becomes a restricted free agent next year. And the rule is you can begin to talk extension a year out. So they can have those discussions, but you know he, he's going to come being pretty expensive. So that's why it's like, well, we could pay. If Chris Paul opts in, yeah, it's not helping us that much this year, but more space opens up next year. But then is that going in the right direction? I don't, it, it's tough. Yeah,
1: I mean, because you got to think about it. Like you brought a bait, I brought a bait, in, and then Mikel Bridges also is going to be up for an extension.
0: He also and those are, is a, that also opens up, he's in the same situation yeah, as Aiden. So,
1: and you want to bring it, doesn't say you want to, like, those are two guys that you're like, you want to have those guys there. Like, those are like your key, key guys. So they have to spend money. I mean, that's, there's no other way around it. Like, and like you said, I mean, to get that close, this might've been their chance. I don't know. I feel it's going to be weird to say this, but I feel like a lot of it hinges on and you brought it up. Chris Paul's health. Cause if we get, let's just say Chris Paul at 70% next year. There's no way. And let's just say some of these other teams in the West are healthier, more stacked. I don't, I don't see it, Richard it's just happening. And could you see them kind of in a last-ditch effort doing, like, all right, this isn't going to work. We don't think it's going to happen. Doing a sign and trade with Chris Paul or, Ooh. Doing, or well, what do you so
0: think? He, so here's, here's the the difficulty with the sign-in trade, which it's possible um, that they could try to pull something. But, like, to whom and for what? And, like, are we doing a sign-in trade just to, to do nice things to Chris Paul? Because if we sign and trade him to, to like – where would you want to go? Um, like the Lakers? Well, why would I want to help a direct rival? And why am I going to do that for yeah, the? there's no way. Like I love, I love the meme that I see on Twitter where it's the it's a SpongeBob meme of old reliable and it's uh, you know, Kuzma, Taylor Horton Tucker in a second round pick. Like, is that like That's is, not, is that it? Because <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not getting it done. Like I'm not doing that. I'm just going to let him go and and then he can't go to that team. He can only go to. Like the teams that have cap space this offseason, so like it. Yeah. it I mean, I, I guess you can try to do that, but I, I got to get something better in return. I, I can't just let him walk. And if you're gonna get something for him, like I just don't know what that is. Um, we, we mentioned the Lakers and Schroeder probably have to be involved, but if Schroeder's on, then you're hard capped as well because that would be a double sign and trade. Both teams would get hard capped at slightly above the tax line. But that's tough because it doesn't matter any injury situation, you can't go above it no matter what. So it's like the Lakers had to deal with that this year, and you saw them ha- it, it, not only like so the biggest bargaining chip was, hey Andre Drummond, please we need you. Okay, I'll come, but now I have to be the starter for the rest of the season, and that's why Andre Drummond was the starter. So it, it's you put yourself in a bind when you do stuff like that, and especially if it's not for like maybe be for the right thing and it's so I don't know who else is out there um other teams that that could do it but you can't do it to a you, you can't sign a term to a team that's close to the tax they've got to be a team that has a reasonable cap space in, like okay Toronto but like why right spurs well they could just sign him outright um I'm looking at like like Portland but like okay what is it like a Trade for Dame, and that doesn't work. Um, I, I just, you know, Orlando, why? The, the Pelicans. I mean, is that really what you want to do? Is that you really want to just send assets away? And, and Like Miami, okay, maybe. Like maybe we're now semi-talking, but I feel like Miami would rather have other people, like rather focus on other people on a timeline that's slightly younger. Memphis, no. Like I'm just going on the teams that have a cap space. H- Houston, absolutely not. Detroit, nope, absolutely not. Uh, Dallas, I, I just I don't see that. Um, Chicago, like, it's just there's not really a suitor out there. There's not really a team that makes sense. The Lakers make the most sense. But, again, what's the point? So, if, if Chris Paul, I'm sorry, if you if, want to go there, to say, yeah. then opt out and go there. But I, I, I view it as they're going to try to bring him back. And I think that they would like to, honestly, probably structure it in a way where – You have a declining salary over time, like, but again, I I just you can only you have some limitations with with what you can do as far as signing. Like they can't pay him forty million dollars this year and twenty million dollars next year, um, on on that same contract. So they could do some wink wink deal and be like, listen, even though it's not allowed by the CBA, we'll we'll, we'll just opt in. We'll pay you this, and then we'll pay you two years twenty million dollars. 25 million dollars a piece afterward and, and that'll just bring you to the total 100 for three. I, but I don't know it's tough it's tough
1: I get it I get it
0: they are in a tough spot because you got I don't know what the, what the deal is for Aiden you probably don't want to max him but what kind of again what leverage we've not gotten to the point where someone is willing to you know just say yeah I'll I'll, I'll play on the qualifying offer since Greg Monroe, right? But it's not a really great, not really a great example.
1: So I get what you mean. I mean, like I'm looking at it, I keep like I'm on spot track and all that. Just trying to look at what Phoenix can do. I mean, it's just, I think I've kind of reached a point where I'm just like, they have to retain. I mean, they have to retain as much as the core and they got this bit. I think it's worth a shot right into, I mean, seeing what they got for one year. Seeing what they got for next year, and just going back and seeing how that goes, and going from there.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are things you can do to solidify that backup center position if you need to, right? Like, there, Robin Lopez is out there, right? You, you mean so you, somebody you could spend five, five million dollars on, right? Cody Zeller, been injured a bunch, so maybe that's not the move. Um, you know, but maybe you could do something like that. Javale McGee, right? I mean, I don't. You know, I don't know, but he's played minutes. Like, you probably do yeah, something I mean, with him.
1: You you probably could have used him more than Frank Kaminsky. Yeah. Like, that, that's what I view it as. Like, if I can't have Daro Sarvich and I have to choose between Frank Kaminsky or someone else, if they're a better choice than Frank Kaminsky, then I should be focusing on bringing them back yeah. or bringing them in too. Frank Kaminsky, free agent,
0: unrestricted. So, that there's also that. Um, yeah, it's like. There's not, you know, Bismack, Beyond, but like the, the, it's, it's not a whole lot of phenomenal names. There's not a lot of stuff, yeah. Uh, there, but I mean, again, we're talking about someone like an ideal person would be Daniel Tice, but he's probably going to command more than $5 He's coming off of, you know, a $5 million yeah. other deal that people have roundly thought was an underpay for him. This is the last time that he's really going to have, you know, the ability to make a big, big money contract at his age of, 29 years old so it's uh, there's, there's not there's not tons out there so it's it, it, it's not looking quite as rosy for th- the Phoenix Suns if they're wanting to be a championship contender <laughs>
1: they're, they're going to
0: be involved in the playoffs they're going to be deep you know Booker's awesome um, you know, Bridges we love him Uh, you know Cam Johnson all that stuff. it's just tough it's tough
1: yeah but I got nothing else for Phoenix I've kind of said my thoughts I think I think I've I've said my piece about the finals and our two teams and I've enjoyed it. We've entered the off-seasons point and of course we have got the NBA draft coming about a week yes. from today, a week from tomorrow I should say. Yes. Which very exciting times for Richard. Yo, I'm excited. I am
0: excited. I'm I'm ready for it. I will be driving uh, during the draft. I'll be physically in a in a vehicle, moving. So I, I need I need the Pistons to not do anything that's too crazy. Just 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 do it. I could, I could drive in peace. It'd be great. Um. We should say, um, coming to you this Sunday, we will have a draft pod of some sort. I don't quite know exactly what that's going to look like. It's going to be way less elaborate than all the stuff we did last year, just because of the timing of it all and not having, you know, the whole quarantine situation be as. It's just not the same, right? So we're not on hiatus, yeah. so we can't go super deep, but it, we'll we'll do something. We'll do something draft related on this sunday we have so to you yeah. have to it's it's just what we got to do so uh, all, all right. right
1: good talk with you all right always a pleasure